Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcast taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer, are now broadcast on weekdays. Podcast 19 of Season 2 is entitled Sorrow. Ron's sorrow is a universal emotion. People who are jointly suffering find it hard to comfort each other. It is even more difficult for someone who is not suffering to comfort someone who is. What advice do you give? In the Leviathan, Thomas Hobbes, in a very famous passage, describes what life would be like if society broke down. Hobbes said, Whatsoever therefore is consequent to a time of war, where every man is enemy to every man, the same is consequent to the time, wherein men live without other security, than what their own strength and their own invention shall furnish them withal. In such condition there is no place for industry, because the fruit thereof is uncertain, and consequently no culture of the earth, no navigation, nor use of the commodities that may be imported by sea, no commodious building, no instruments of moving, and removing such things as require much force, no knowledge of the face of the earth, no account of time, no arts, no letters, no society, and which is worst of all, continual fear and danger of violent death, and the life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Hobbes' description refers to a cataclysmic event which could be brought on by pandemics, war, natural disasters, or total breakdown of law and order. Today, as we see gangs forming, unguarded borders, the defunding of police, riots in the streets, terrorism, racial tension and civil unrest, and the breakdown of law and order. Hobbes' prediction is frighteningly realistic. However, though the gloomy picture painted by Hobbes may not be universal, it is recognizable on a smaller scale in the lives of many individuals. The duration of sorrow for some may be a lifetime. For others, it may be relatively short in time, but extremely long in perception. Joy related to light accelerates time. Sorrow related to darkness slows it down. An hour of intense pain is an eternity of misery. All sorrow is endless until it stops. Joy can be shared, but sorrow is an individual struggle. No one in the depths of despair really believes those who say, I feel your pain. If you have just struck your thumb with a hammer and someone claims empathy, simply ask if they will allow you to smash their thumb with a hammer they will most likely decline. To understand joy, we must understand sorrow. And those who have fallen into the depths of despair know what one writer called the dark night of the soul and the all-consuming horrors of hell from which appears no escape. It is easy for those lying on the bed of ease to speak words of comfort to those lying on the bed of nails. Reason falters when faced with personal tragedy, as with the philosopher in Samuel Johnson's Prince of Obscenia, who could comfort others in sorrow, but could not comfort himself upon his daughter's death. In William Shakespeare's play Richard II, Henry Bolingbroke has just been banished from England unjustly for six years by the wicked king. John of Gaunt, Henry's father, hiding his own grief, tries to comfort his injured son with false hope. He says, All places that the eye of heaven visits are to a wise man ports and happy havens. Teach thy necessity to reason thus. There is no virtue like necessity. Think not the king did banish thee, but thou the king. Woe doth the heavier sit, 
where it perceives it is but faintly born. Go, say I sent thee forth to purchase honor, and not the king exiled thee. Or suppose devouring pestilence hangs in our air, and thou art flying to a fresher clime. Look, what thy soul holds dear, imagine it to lie that way thou goest, not whence thou comest. Suppose the singing birds musicians, the grass whereon thou treadest the present strewed, the flowers fair ladies, and thy steps no more than a delightful measure or a dance. For gnarling sorrow hath less power to bite the man that mocks at it and sets it right. Henry Bolingbroke, however, is a very practical man, and takes no comfort in his father's false words. He replies, Oh, who can hold a fire in his hand by thinking on the frosty caucuses, or cloy the hungry edge of appetite by bare imagination of a feast, or wallow naked in December snow by thinking on fantastic summer's heat? Oh, no, the apprehension of the good gives but the greater feeling to the worse. Fell sorrow's tooth doth never rankle more than when he bites, but lanceth not the sore. It is hard to enjoy nature's beauty when sawbriars are shredding our clothes and tearing our flesh, or when gnats and flies swarm in our face, or mosquitoes, ticks, and chiggers burrow in our skin, or when the white hot summer sun blisters down on our raw red neck, or whirling sand stings our eyes, or the swirling dust of nature's invisible debris itches in our sweat. It is hard to contemplate joy when we are sliding down the slippery slope of sorrow. Sorrow for our own sins, if it doesn't lead to repentance, often leads to greater sorrow. Though sin is the source of sorrow, not all sorrow is caused by our own sins. The sins of our fathers, like evil inheritances, are handed down to us and to our children, only to be passed on as heirlooms. In addition, the collective sins of a wicked nation that has turned its back on God gather like black clouds and create furious storms, whose high winds, flying debris, and pelting rain fall hard on the innocent and the guilty. Hate, prejudices, feuds, wrongs, etc., are all also passed down from one generation to another through traditions. Wars are horrifying examples. We live in a fallen world subject to the vicissitudes of life and the vagaries of free will. The paradox is simple to understand for anyone who has suffered because of the sins of others. Husband, remind me not to call on you when I need comforting. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.